1: Over the course of the past few months, we have been in and out of the book of Romans. We're back in, looking at Romans chapter 11, the doxology. Join us for Abounding Grace next. as we have weaved our way in and out of the book of Romans, we found ourselves last time we were together in Romans looking at Romans chapter 11 and the doxology. Well, we want to look at it once again today as we start closing out this mini-series on the doxology. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. Now, the doxology Paul gives us in chapter 11 is really quite amazing. And it's not just a doxology that extols the greatness of God. There are some practical implications for all of this. And that's what we're looking at next. Here's Pastor Gary and today's program.
2: This week, one more time, we're going to be talking about the doxology, part four. Now, verse 35 Adds reason for us to glorify God, and it is profound romans eleven thirty five or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. You know, I tremble every time I read this verse, even more so lately, because of just personal lessons the Lord has been teaching me it 's easy to fall into a bargain-making mentality with God. Lord, I've done this. Lord, I have these wonderful parents. Lord, I've preached all these sermons. And Lord, I've done all these other things before. And you were good to me. And you helped me. You forgave me. You delivered me. And I began to count on you, God, and make you make me and me having a kind of tab where we're going back and forth, doing favors for one another. It's easy to slip into that. Let me tell you, God does not have a tab with you. I mean, we don't use that language anymore, but God doesn't have a bill to pay you and I. When we sinned against him in the garden, we chopped the cord that bound us to him. His covenant except the judgment part so he and his mercy was brought back to us and here is what I want to stress to you because this is what this verse is primarily tending toward why does God forgive us why does God help us why does God deliver us does he owe us no he owes us nothing But he gives us mercy through his son. Notice here. For who has first given to him and it will be repaid or recompensed. We think, I did this for God, so God's got to do something for me. No. So where does that place you and me? Well, it puts us in a scary place. But it also puts us in a glorious place. For then I am completely at the mercy of God. Completely at His mercy. And that does something to you, to us. I'm totally at the mercy of God. And yet though I am totally at His mercy, He doesn't (laughs) owe me anything. If He would have given me hell, it would have been perfectly just. I could not have complained. And right before I fell into the pit, I would have praised him for his justice and said, Righteous art thou, Lord, King of the saints, because he gave me mercy. This binds us to him in a different way. It binds us to him with chains, pleasant chains of thankfulness and awe and humility wait a minute, do you mean God didn't owe me anything, but he forgave my sins? Do you mean God didn't owe me anything and he heard my prayer? Do you mean what God really owed me was hell, but he forgave my sins instead? Yes, that's what this verse is teaching. I owe everything to the mercy of God. So what are we supposed to do with this? Let's start with you young people. You may think God has graciously given me his word, but he could have put me in the gutter, a crack addict. Wait a minute, God gives me food. He could have had me born in Africa so I would be scraping my meals out of garbage cans. Wait a minute, God gave me clean water when much of the world's population drinks out of the same water source that feeds the latrine it is public and it's outside wait a minute me i owe everything even the little things my food and water and health to god i could have had a heart attack and died or died on that operating table. But he was with me the entire time. And moving up the scale. God didn't ever have to give me a job. Especially as wonderful as this one is. God didn't have to give me a wife. Especially as wonderful as mine is. God didn't have to do any of this for me. He does not owe me anything. Anything. He doesn't owe me a great spouse. He doesn't owe me more money. He doesn't owe me loving children. He doesn't owe me better health. He doesn't owe me anything except judgment in hell. And he laid that on the back of his son. He gave me and you mercy. You see, unless we deal honestly with that mercy... We will never praise God and we will never be happy and we will never devote ourselves to him. And if I am blessed, if I believe in Jesus, if I am forgiven of my sins, if I am praying to God, if I am reading his word every day, it's not because I'm a good person. It is because he is a good and merciful God to the undeserving If he didn't give me everything I thought I needed, I would like think, oh, I wish I had this job. I wish I had this husband or this wife or these children, whatever it may be. But he gave me what he knew was best for me. So I'm going to put my hand upon my mouth. I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to worship him for his goodness to me. Because he owed me nothing except hell and judgment, and he gave all of that to his son so we could have life. You see, we're supposed to think on these things, brothers and sisters. We're not supposed to think on these things just on Sunday, but think of them on Monday morning in the traffic. Think of them Tuesday night when you've got to deal with all kinds of stuff at home, when there's not enough money, and you think, how am I going to pay the bills? Whatever it may be, we are to remember God is faithful, God is merciful, God takes care of me, God loves me, God is good. Look at what He has done for me. If we don't think like that, We're not going to praise Him. Our troubles are just going to pile up. Our frustration, our despair, fear, our worry. And we're just going to walk around all the time thinking, Yeah, Lord, I know You're up there. I know You love some people. I know some Christians are happy, but You must just want me to be one of those who carries my own purgatory on my shoulders. A pity party. For those who do not look upon Christ as they should. He doesn't want us to have purgatory on our shoulders. There's only one person in heaven. Only one who ever carried the weight of hell upon his back. And that is Jesus. So we must stop trying to carry it ourselves. It is gone for us. Look to the Lamb of God, rejoice in His mercy and praise Him and watch Him as He dwells in your praises and changes your life. Because praise changes us, my friends. Complaining does too. Complaining changes your life in that it shrivels up your existence. Bitterness itself shrivels up, shrivels and makes everything you see be through the lenses of Uh, this isn't fair, I don't like this, my life is just too difficult, why is everything so challenging? It's just not fair. God, I know you're sovereign, hallelujah, but I wish you weren't so sovereign in my particular circumstances, or at least if you are, you could change them. Oh, we need to understand mercy. Well, verse 33 brings us, 36, sorry, brings us to um, the very gates of heaven and probably the very throne of God. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I don't know if there's any higher words in Scripture. They cover everything, even the origin of all things. Without him, nothing was made. That was made. All I need are those two words, of Him, to refute any version of evolution of any kind. Everything owes its origin to this great God who alone knows his own mind, who has no counselor, whose wisdom and knowledge make reality what it is through Him. All energy, and the life, and the activity, and the sunrises, and the sunsets are real. The reason the Bible talks this way is not because the writers were geocentric and had a particular scientific model as much as it was because they had a God-centered model. And even if the earth is the one moving or the sun is the one moving, God is the one who moves both through him all things everything even evil not because it has its origin with him for its origin is in the corruption of the lies of satan and in our own fallen hearts but god does orchestrate and move evil so that you may have meant for evil what you may have meant for evil god meant it for good so that he can use evil and not be tainted by it, because he has good and wise and holy purposes for directing all things, even evil. And to him, everything has its destiny in God. And will reach the purpose that God has ordained for each of us. Of him, origin, through him, life activity the movements of men and nations to him destiny the no one scripture calls god the alpha and the omega he is the holy bookends of life he called it all into existence by his own power out of nothing he sustains it by his own power and he will re- he will terminate it by his own power he will Beloved, let me tell you a little secret about life. I believe it will make you so happy if you do believe this. You are not as important. I am not as important as we think we are. We are not. Here is what we do in America. For 20 years, between 30 and 50, maybe 30 and 60, everything is about you. I need to do this. I need to go here. I need to see this because the nursing home days are coming or because the six days are coming. And if I retire and I have maybe 10 years more, boy, I need to make sure it's really about me. You're posting all your pictures on different links. You're having a great time spending all the money That you prudently saved up so that you could waste it all in your declining years. That is why men are unhappy, because they are so self-centered. But God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the sum of all things. And if we don't find life in terms of him, we won't find life anywhere. And everywhere we turn, it will be a dark alley of dissatisfying outcomes. Even if we deceive ourselves and think, oh, I'm happy. No, you're not. Well, how do you, can you tell me I'm not happy? I have the authority of God's word. If you don't seek your life in him, you will never be truly happy. I think there's a particular salvation reference here in of him. Why do we believe the gospel? Because it is of God. He is the one who created faithfulness. We didn't create it in ourselves. So do you want to make progress in your Christian walk? Do you want to be a godlier parent? Do you want your spouse to be influenced by you to be a holier person? It all comes from God, through Him. It is His strength by His indwelling Spirit, and then to Him. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, and you are one of God's elect, your destiny is to be with God, to be like Him, having close fellowship with him forever. To him, your destiny is the living God. Of course, if you don't believe the gospel and you reject it, then you are one of the vessels of wrath and your destiny is everlasting judgment away from his presence and there is no turning back. But no one can escape this. God, the Alpha and the Omega. Now what do we do with this doxology? I've really just barely, barely scratched the surface of it. But let me make just a few practical comments in closing. Maybe some in the form of questions. Number one, when was the last time you really sat and praised God? And I don't just mean God is good, God is great... Let me thank you for my food. When, beloved, was the last time you seriously praised God? Because that may have been the last time you were really happy. When was the last time you praised him? I don't mean when someone else was around. I mean you got on your face before him and you diligently sought him. Lord, I want to praise you for your goodness to me, your faithfulness and your truth. Is that too hard to remember? Goodness, faithfulness and truth. I praise you for these things, God. Well, that may have been the last time you were really happy. When was the last time you praised him? I praise you for your grace in my life that I don't deserve. I praise you for your mercy, O Lord. You might be thinking, why do I need to tell God that? He already knows, right? Because if you don't tell Him, you don't feel it. And if you don't feel it, there's no glory in your heart. It is as simple as that. Thank Him. That's why David constantly praises God in the Psalms. Lord, Open my mouth that I may praise you. Fill me with your praise. So when was the last time we praised the Lord? Does your life revolve around praise? Do you have regular times every day with your family to praise the Lord? We ought to have daily times of thanksgiving to the Lord in our homes. What did God do for you today? Maybe the reason our children don't grow up more thankful and humbler is because we don't bring them back to the center point every day. What did God do for you today? He did something. It's up to you to figure it out. It's up to you to seek it out. But if nothing else, you could just say, God fed me. God forgave me. God loved me when I sinned. So I'm going to ask a crazy question in my conclusion. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to sing with Paul and Silas? And none of you are in the circumstances, their circumstances, persecuted, beaten, or in prison. Do you want to trust God like Jesus did on the cross I trust in you, Father, even in this. Do you want to trust him like that? Do you want to be hopeful when all the world seems to have run amok with wickedness? Why are we hopeful Christians? Why do, we, why do you love the Lord, child of God? If you do not do so, do you want to? I'll talk more about that, actually, next Lord's Day. But I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do you want to do that? To dedicate the entirety of your life to serving God? There's only one way. You must live praising Him. You must search out reasons to praise Him. Your life will be as dry as a desert if you do not praise the Lord and thank Him for His goodness to you. Live in fellowship with Him because in His presence is the fullness of joy. And stay in the Word. You might say, well, I don't feel like it every morning. My friends, that is especially the time when you need to call on the Lord Lord I'm here Not because I feel good But I am here because You are my life What did Mary say When she heard, of, heard the word of God My soul Magnifies the Lord My heart rejoices in God My Savior Does yours When you hear the word I extol you O God Help me to praise you Teach me what you have done for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. Set me to praising you, because I will never be happy unless I am praising you, unless my soul is magnifying you for what you have done. Now, in closing, I want you to hear a couple of psalms of praise that you can pray in your life. My heart is steadfast. God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and chant praise. Awake, my soul, awake, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn. I will praise you among the peoples, Lord. I will chant your praise among the nations, for your mercy towers to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Exalt yourself over the heavens, God. May your glory appear above all the earth. Psalm 57, 8 through 12. Great is the Lord and worthy of much praise, whose grandeur is a beyond understanding. One generation praises your deeds to the next and proclaims your mighty works. They speak of the splendor of your majestic glory, tell of your wonderful deeds. They speak of the power of your awesome acts and recount your great deeds. They celebrate you, your abounding goodness and joyfully sing of your justice. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. The Lord is good to all, compassionate toward all your works. Psalm 145, 1 through 9. Amen and amen. Well, that's all the
1: time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is four o eight eight six six five six oh seven That's four oh eight eight six six five six o seven. You're welcome to also visit our website learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedherge org again reformedheritage.org. dot o r g and then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408 866 5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by again calling 408-866-5607.